Welcome to this week's episode of Inception Family Wealth Podcast. This week's special guest is Rick Weiss, TEP, PFP, Senior Estate Planning Consultant for One Sports and Entertainment Group, also the principal of R.A. Weiss Consulting. Rick's going to talk to us this week about some of the considerations clients and their advisors might have when they have an elite athlete or a professional athlete somewhere in the family planning mix. I think you'll enjoy this show, which is divided into two parts. Now, my interview with Rick Weiss. Welcome to the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. I'm Chris Delaney, your moderator this week, and I'm very thrilled to have both a friend and an interesting uh, operator in the estate planning world, Rick Weiss. Uh, Rick is a senior estate planning consultant with One Sports and Entertainment, as well as being a principal with R.A. Weiss Consulting. Rick, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Chris, and thank you very much for having me. A great pleasure. We've been trying to arrange this now for some time, and COVID and then a reboot of the show format changed, uh, changed all the timing, so I'm really glad I finally got around to, to uh, uh, getting, my, uh, getting my schedule in order to, to, to bring you on board. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy uh, the wisdom that you're going to share with us today. Rick, um, can you tell us about yourself and the work you do in the estate planning space? Would be pleased to, sure. Uh, I started with uh, a financial institution in Canada here at our Royal Bank in uh, 1981 after I got my BA out of uh, Laurier University and worked my way up through various levels until about the year 2000 when I worked in, I moved into the uh, uh, personal financial planning space. Um, was in Elmira, Ontario, and we're here in Waterloo Region, uh, kind of a hotbed for sports. And uh, I had a couple of clients uh, working with me. And unfortunately, uh, during that time frame, one of my clients uh, passed away in a very uh, tragic but very publicized uh, car accident uh, while he was playing for an NHL team south of the border. And from there, working with them and working with the family and working with the agent uh, of Town Sports, uh, we got into a space where I got called by, and I didn't even know it existed at the bank, the uh, RBC Sports and Entertainment Group. So at that point, I'd been with the bank for about uh, 15, 20 years. I ended up uh, 38 years in total. And uh, while I was in our private banking wealth management arm, part of my business was the sports and entertainment. And so we dealt with, at that time, uh, mainly uh, professional hockey players and professional golfers. Uh, We also had an entertainment division. And I was lucky to have two fairly, very high profile, still very high profile entertainment clients out of Toronto as my client worked with them for uh, seven, eight years uh, before I retired. And the idea of working with entertainers and athletes in all of the different um, advisors and functionality that goes along with that uh, really kind of got me to cut my teeth on the sports and entertainment business. So I did it dually. I was working with private banking and also with these athletes and kind of, we would have had probably across the country, private bankers, maybe six or seven of us um, in this space. And then we had uh, uh, 
investment advisors with RBC Dimitri Securities, probably about another 10 to 15. So we were a small band of, of married men and women, about 30, 35 of us. But again, specific to the sports and entertainment industry. Um, that entailed a lot of other things. So going to the draft every year, uh, being very, very involved with the American Hockey League, uh, with some of the organization stuff, and also at some of the developmental leagues level. We would work with the um, college uh, program in the United States and, and just gave us a chance to understand the athlete's perspective from a wide-ranging idea. Then in 2017, I decided to retire from the bank after 38 years. And um, Chris Moyens, who was a, a good friend of mine and also partner with me at RBC, had left a year earlier and started a group called One Sports and Entertainment. Um, Chris's background is specifically in sports. His dad was with Asante, uh, started Asante, one of the founding members of Asante. So Chris worked for 10 years in uh, New York State on the um, that side of the business. He is a member, a former member of our um, national tennis team. So he's an athlete himself. And when I retired, he said, but you got to come. So he scooped me up and that was in 2018. And specific to that business, One Sports and Entertainment, I am the estate planning consultant. Um, with your help, I have since earned my uh, trust in the state practitioner, the TEP from the Society of Trust and State Practitioners. I had my um, Canadian securities course and my personal financial, uh, financial planning, my PFP. And I am just about finishing up my CEA, which is the Certified Executor Advisor role. So within that space of the professional athlete, which can have multi-dimensions, I specifically focus in on the estate planning side. That uh, CEA, the Certified Executor Advisor, is kind of an interesting, um, an interesting designation. Is, I mean, we is. live in a world now, Rick, where... There's so many different credentials, and you have you have a lot of uh, a lot of these credentials. What well, what is the the value the value proposition of that? And you're about to complete. It. I guess you're actually studying for your final exam now uh, uh, for the CEA. What's the value proposition of the of that particular uh, designation for you? So the biggest thing is, and we get into the conversations with. Um, what do we? What's unique to an athlete, a professional athlete, in the estate planning uh, whole cycle? And I know you and I will talk about that. But one of the the interesting pieces is that since the age of fourteen, then now more likely twelve, somebody has said, "Kid, you're pretty good." Whether that's a lady, a man, a golfer, or a hockey player, and we're going to do something special. So you have been, and your parents and your family have been really focused on that kind of thing. You don't really pay attention to investing or estate planning. So now we get into the discussion when, when I walk in and say, you know, young family, husband, wife, kids, start talking about what you need to do. The word executor, the word power of attorney, the attorney for power of attorney, these are just very, very foreign to them. Uh, and they don't even think about, well, yeah, you know what? I do have a lot of money. So the value proposition within the CEA amongst other things I do with our clients in terms of the holistic estate planning is a, if you are named as an executor for somebody else, whether it's a friend or a family member, and just as an aside, I do try and discourage that. A lot of the times, one of the things I say to our clients, uh, I had a, a, a slide in some of the uh, preamble information I sent to them when we get engaged. 
it's uh, it says cool hand Luke. And hmm. uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And it's hilarious. Half the guys have no, no clue who I'm talking about, but it's that, too young, you know, right? They're way too young. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, but that idea that, that the testator never communicates. So you don't know you're an executor. So on both sides, whether they've been named one or they are naming an executor. And I know there are people out there who say, you know, I would never have a friend or a family member named as executor and I would never act. And I know all this stuff. Um, That's good and easy to say, but in practicality, that doesn't always happen. Um, That's just a comfort level sometimes within our client group. So the CEA or the certified executor advisor is that role that they, if they are named, or at least we tell the executor, because that's another thing that we do. We communicate once the will is done. We tell the executor, they've been named, we tell the guardians, here's the name of somebody that you call if something should happen. I see. And and then that, then we broker out from there. Depending on what we talk about today or in our next segment, you know, there are multi-jurisdictions that I'm dealing with. So we may be needing to sell property here or sell property there. We may be needing to put things up for auction. Um, some of my clients have been lucky enough to win a Stanley Cup. So I've got a Stanley Cup ring. We got to either dispose of to get a, a stack of cash or we have to do something about it. Dad's not going to know how to do that. Um, d- dad's not going to know how to file for probate. Mom's not going to know how to search for creditors or, or to, to publish for creditors. So those kinds of things that we um, do, I guess, when you ask what the value proposition is, it's a very, very simple one. It's peace of mind. So, you, you, so go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, that is, uh, that, that is a recurring theme is uh, empowering the decision makers. So whoever the executor is, if, if you're in an assist role of some sort, so that they understand exactly what they're dealing with, because there is a lot of responsibility and it's easy to make mistakes and, and knowing, knowing value and knowing uh, uh some of the, the networks they can follow to, to more easily traverse this uh, environment is incredibly powerful for them. Absolutely. So you mentioned, um, uh, and, and, and I hope you don't mind if we just sort of veer into what this, this sure. means from your perspective. Um, you mentioned holistic estate planning and, and I harp on that. I, I make posts myself. I know you have a blog and we'll post links to your blog on the uh, show notes. What do you mean by that when you say holistic estate planning? How's that different maybe from what people have traditionally thought of as estate planning? Yeah, interesting. I and mean, we, um, so Chris has written a book called The Pros Process. And our mission is to focus on the unique needs of a professional athlete and entertainer. And because of that and through that, we've developed a process that we think is, is really successful in making wise decisions. So we have something that we call the playbook. It's basically a wheel. And from that wheel, we talk about very specific issues, banking, um, whether you should do investing in money market. We're very, very um, insistent on getting like a safe capital, uh, safe liquid capital perspective before we do anything else. We talk about pension and there's a very specific NHL pension that we have to deal with, um, insurance, real estate, vacation properties, and estate planning issues. So holistically, we meet with the client, Chris does, and we don't even talk money for probably two or three meetings. We talk about what are your values? What are you trying to accomplish? 
of course, all of them think that they're going to play for 35 years, like uh, Yarmar Jagger and Zdeno uh, Charo. And they all feel that they're going to get into coaching in the NHL two and a half months after their last game is being played. So right. we try and look at, and we don't judge any of those, those uh, particulars, but we try and look at it from the point of view, and this is what I mean by holistic, is, okay, let's say you were going to do that. What does it look like? What are you going to have to do? Where are you going to end up? What, what, tell me, tell me. And basically we walk into this uh, and it's interesting when we draw the wheel, I do it. Chris does it. Um, Grant does it when he meets with people. We'll talk about Grant later. Um, he's our director of post-career transitioning. We just take a blank piece of paper and draw this wheel. And so it's not a, a process out of a book. It's, it's a process out of, a, out of our hearts that says, here's where we need to follow and how are we going to do this for you? Because some people might start at one point in the wheel. Some people might start at another point in the wheel. And the, the holistic nature of it means that we're not thinking about only investing. We're thinking about, well, if we're investing or we're thinking about safe capital and we're thinking about pension and you want to buy a cottage property and then you need Rick because you don't have a will. We put all those pieces together at the same time as opposed to, well, let's just do this one first. And once we finish that and the other piece that goes along with that, and I know I spent 38 years in a, in a, uh, a large FI here in Canada, um, there are wonderful people that do wonderful investing, but sometimes that gets a little bit of the channel that becomes their silo. And uh, from a family office perspective, as, as you well know, we can't just only talk about one piece. We need to bring in insurance. We need to bring in the other pieces. We might not be doing anything about it right away, but at least we're mentioning it and we're keeping all of those things front of mind. And I guess the differentiator for us is we know the professional athlete. Chris has been one. Uh, we also know how, you know, through through our families, especially with me, when I'm dealing on the estate side of things, I'm dealing with the, the spouse and talking about the children during the season. When, if it's the male, he's playing hockey and I'm not talking to him as much because he's only coming home. And when he comes home, he's got to sleep and he's got game practices and things like that. So we, we need to understand the dynamic of that particular family world. Um, and it's really hard to do that if you have too many clients in too many different disciplines. Well, and, and you've, you've mentioned a couple of interesting things there. Like I think the wheel is a, is a very nice uh, visual image because it shows that there's so many things that interact with one another to make that wheel spin appropriately. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that there's a lot of dynamics, you know, one size doesn't fit all. You, you really do have to approach, you have to meet each client where they are. And, and uh, deal with what their priorities are. I'm always reminded of Abraham Maslow's uh, uh, quote. You know, if you if you only have uh, one tool in your toolkit after, and it's a hammer, after a while everything uh, starts to look like a nail. And and bringing a, a holistic approach like you do, and and looking at it as a from a wheeled perspective, also introduces to the client that that this is, this is not something you just one and done, you know, you're going to be engaged with this on a regular basis. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. We tell them that their job as a pro athlete is to add money to the wheel. Our job right. is to guide them through the cycle, the different phases of that wheel. That's our job. So, um, you know, they just add money or take money out and we then guide them through which side they need. 
So, so you're working with uh, uh, primarily professional athletes or high performance athletes. What are some of the most common areas of planning concern for these, uh, these individuals, Rick? What do you see them either not knowing much about or being most interested in? Yeah, thanks. It's a, great. And, and I, I want to get some stats out or at least some ideas that we work with. Um, talk about the NHL athlete. In 2020, there were roughly 560,000 minor hockey players registered in Canada. 0.7% are drafted into major junior. And in Canada, that's the major feeding league for the draft. 0.2% of those are drafted into the NHL. 0.025% of those people drafted into the NHL that played minor hockey make an NHL career. So there are 690, 707, now with the crack in its uh, change, so it's about 720 players on active NHL rosters with an average 5.5-year career. So an entry level is in the $750,000 range, and there are a few Sydneys and there are a few Connors, but there are more that are in the closer to the $750,000 range. So you really have to make sure that you're talking to the client that, um, is in that particular space. And it doesn't mean that they can't get higher, but some of the things that they need to think about are those kinds of areas that give them the most, the most opportunity to succeed. You talked about what's some of the unique um, challenges to the professional athlete. Well, one of the things we try and do is when we work with the client, there's two things. There's financial literacy and there's financial planning. Um, financial planning is obviously the cash flow, the insurance, the wheel. Financial literacy is starting from scratch. And that's what I do. I, we, we go out to junior hockey teams. We go out to the American Hockey League. We have a, a phenomenal um, relationship with the American Hockey League. We have a sponsorship agreement with them. And we get a chance to get to, into some of the uh, um, PH, uh, sorry, the NHL Player Association, the PA. And we talk to these athletes on financial literacy, credit, budgeting, savings and investing, taxes. Uh, I remember a story. I got a call. Uh, we had done a credit card towards the end of the season for a client who was playing on a Western-based team. And uh, we got the credit card done. I went home at the end of the season in Eastern Ontario, came back to his Western-based team in September and went to buy new furniture. And I get this expletive written message on my phone that is <laughs> credit card is being denied. So I get talking to the people in Montreal or NRVC at the time, credit card beat people. Long story short, I called the client back and I said, you know those statements that you were getting every month, those blue things, right? What did you do with them? I just pitched them. Yeah, you, you, you do need to pay your credit card bill <laughs> once you buy something. So bottom line, I got it all cleared out, but everything was, he was at the store when he was calling me. So got it all done. Got his furniture purchased because this I had this other kid from the um, RBC uh, visa on the line. At the end of the day, I said to my client, next time you're in Montreal, this is the name of the guy that has two front row seat tickets to your game because he just did this for us. And, then, and it did. I got an email back about three months later saying, oh, is that ever awesome? So <laughs> they just don't get it, right? It's just that whole idea. So we do talk about financial literacy and try and get them a little bit in tune. But some of those challenges you're talking about is, um, you know, the average employee in the United States is going to work 35 to 40 years learning, earning a lifetime income of about $1.5 to $3 million. Yeah. Most of that 
is going to come at the latter half of their career. Now let's talk about my client. The average pro athlete's going to play between seven and 17 years, depending on the sport, right? And they're going to earn between 5 million and 25 million. And 70 to 90% of that is going to be earned before they turn 35. So now that dynamic has just completely changed. And, and you want to talk about challenges. I'm just going to name some of these, the ones that we see. And some of them are going to probably prompt more discussion, but some of them are also going to open your eyes wide. Uh, taxes in multiple jurisdictions. Potential frequent location relocation during their career. Possible target of frivolous lawsuits. Maintaining multiple residents. Possible target of cyber fraud or identity theft. Post-retirement and secondary career decisions and training the opportunity to accumulate considerable wealth during a relatively short time span, a very frantic schedule, including constant travel over a period of several months of the year that leaves little time to manage personal finances. People don't understand how a professional hockey player in the National Hockey League gets paid. They are contracted to the parent team. Um, if they're on a two-way contract, let's talk about Toronto, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they're playing for the Marlies, they are contracted to that $750,000, $850,000 three-year deal, and, but they're playing for the Marlies. So they're only making 60, 60 grand because that's about 60, 70 is what they pay in the AHL. So if they get up and they play 13 consecutive games, which of course management has complete control on if they're going to be rostered or not, then they start getting prorated. A lot of the times you might see them only have a few games and boom, they're getting sent down. So they did not attain that prorated status yet. So they're getting 60 grand a year and they're going to apply for a $500,000 mortgage. Again, we have to bring some realism into that conversation. But in the idea of payment, they get paid the first, they, it's biweekly pays. They get paid twice a month. They get paid the first Wednesday after the first regular season game in at the beginning of the season. It's usually October 15th. And their last pay is the, is the first Wednesday after the last game of the month of the regular season, which is usually about April 15th. Right. So they get paid between October 15th and April 15th, and then they don't get any money coming in. Now, they don't get paid if they make the uh, playoffs. They don't get paid if they win the Stanley Cup. That's all up to – they do get paid, of course, but that's all up to the team on how they're going to disperse that. Um, some of them will have that built into their contract, some of the elite players. But many guys don't have that built into the contract. The contract is for services for the regular season. So we do now have to get into that idea of how are we going to um, manage the funds? And, and one of the things that we really, really worry about, and again, it's a unique challenge for estate planning, is um, you know some people spending a little bit too much money. Sure, uh, overspending is is a huge thing, and you know being a little bit frivolous and not understanding specifically. Uh, what you have, how much you have, and how you have to make it stretch uh, becomes something of a concern. And, and it's that sort of cash management. I mean, that's a, a financial literacy is, is a Canadian concern. I mean, it's finally something we're seeing being introduced, for example, into the curriculum of the high schools here in Ontario. Um, but these are people that, that, you know, they, they've spent most of their time focusing on the development of other skills and, right. and the pe people that are around them don't, as you mentioned, don't necessarily have those strengths. So things like estate planning, things like 
understanding the basic the basic benefits of something like a prenuptial agreement or or even just how the tax system in Canada works is not something they've ever thought of before. Absolutely. Um, we have something that we call fame to shame, landmines facing pro athletes. And this is on my blog, on one of my blogs, um, yeah. overspending, big paychecks and a short career. Again, we just said it, don't understand their finances, poor investment choices. Hey, buddy, I got this thing. You've got to invest. Um, so, you know, it, it's, right. it's, Gambling, tax man trouble, alimony payments. Those are the things that, you know, we all understand, but the professional athlete may or may not. That's part one of our interview with One Sports and Entertainment Group's Rick Weiss, who is their senior estate planning consultant. Please listen for the second part of this very interesting discussion on what do I do if I have a family member or client who's a professional athlete or an elite athlete. Thank you very much for listening to the Inception Family Wealth Podcast.